Hello, welcome back to another edition of the Amaze Red Sports Podcast. I am your host, as always, the mouth of Michigan, Ron Medeka. With me, as always, my co-host, the Merkzell, Mike Merkel. I'm here. He's here, and due to the grace of the good Lord above, we have the whale man himself, Kyle Budzanowski, in the house as well. we got a lot of stuff to go over today, guys, but first... We are going to start off with another interview segment that we've been talking about the last couple weeks. We have Notre Dame College's uh, head coach, swimming and diving team for both men and women's. Uh, Stephanie Jerky, she is going to be doing an interview with me for the first part of the episode. When we come back, we got wrestling talk, we got basketball, we got some NFL news. Lots of good stuff coming your way. But to start off this week's episode, here is our interview with swimming and diving Notre Dame College head coach, Stephanie Jerky. Hello, welcome to another edition of the I'm Always Right Sports Podcast interview segment where we have the lovely Stephanie Jerky, the head swimming and diving coach for both the men and women's Notre Dame College, uh, not University of Notre Dame, Notre Dame College out of Ohio, head coach. Um, first of all, Stephanie, thank you so much for being here. We are so excited to have you. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm super excited too. I am, I, I am above the moon here. When I first introduced this segment a couple weeks ago, I didn't think that any college coaches would be interested. And then uh, a, a mutual friend of ours, Rhonda McClarty, reached out to me. I know you have your, her son, Bailey, on the team. I actually coached Bailey um, in football for a season, weirdly enough. That was so cool. So his, his, uh, their whole family was involved in the same organization I'm in that I coached the youth football in. Uh, so luckily she reached out, she sent you my information, you reached out to me, which I once again am super thankful for um, to be on here. Um, but first, Stephanie, the first question I want to ask you is with, with this COVID thing, right, I'm sure you get this question a lot, but what is the first, what, when you guys got this kind of, you know, like you thought there was going to be a season, there's not a season, we have a season, we don't, it's on and off, on and off, on and off, it feels like, what was your instant reaction when you kind of had everything kind of shut down and kind of legs taken out from underneath you? Yeah. Um, so this happened actually right after our conference. Um, so I was very happy and thankful at the time that we had gotten through our conference. Men were yeah. conference champs. Yes, absolutely. Congratulations, um, so was, by the way. Thank you. I was super happy that we at least got to have our conference and very thankful for that. Mm-hmm. Felt devastated for all the spring teams um, that couldn't or women's basketball was in their final tournament and they couldn't finish up. So that was super disheartening for them. Um, all I could think was this was perfect timing for us. Hopefully everything will be figured out by the time school happens. <laughs> right. Um, as we know, it's not. So we're kind of rolling with the punches. Um, kind of thought things would have been figured out by now, at least for our season. Yeah. We're kind of, um, we still have to meet and figure out um, details um, as to how we're going to host, when we're going to host, what's going on with conference. Um, so it's kind of right now, just like, let's figure out a game plan so then we can make our season game plan and let the students know what's going on. Cause I think that's where all the anxiety is coming from is not knowing. Right. Right. Absolutely. And then that's the thing too, is it's baby steps, right? I, I talk, I talked with a coach on the high school level, Brian, uh, big fan of the show. Uh, he, you know, he kind of said the same thing where he's like, we don't really know. This is, this is unprecedented territory here. You know, it's not like you can reach out to a coach maybe that, you know, was your mentor or somebody say, how did you handle this? This has never happened. So this is all brand new territory for everybody involved, Um, kids included, coaches included, programs, schools. Um, Are you guys like 100% shut down? Are you guys able to have practices or anything right now? Or are you guys kind of like Um, totally dead in the water? Yeah, (laughs) so we... (laughs) We um, just had move-in day, um, so I apologize for a little sweaty here. Uh, we had move-in day. Anyway, so you're all, you're all fine. 
that they're coming back in. Um, and moving on to campus, the game plan is to practice. Um, kind of, again, we need to figure out when conference is going to happen because yeah. 144 days before conference starts is when practices can happen. Otherwise, okay. you're kind of out of season. So it's more like, again, we just need to figure out when conference is so we can I figure out the game plan. When can we practice? I when can it. we go full-time practices mm -hmm. and all of that? Um, so the answer to your question is kind of like tricky, like yeah. a yes, <laughs> yeah, but, right? yeah. but. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. And, and that's tough. Right. And it's one of those things to where, you know, because we are in such a weird state sports wise, right. It's hard. You know, you guys are division two school. Has the NCAA done any communication with you guys as far as like any of that? Have they been, you know, I know on the high school level here in Michigan, we have the MHSAA and they've been kind of wishy-washy back and forth about it. Uh, how has the NCAA been with you guys as far as communicating what proper protocol is or what's their kind of roadmap to getting back to some sort of normalcy? Yeah. Um, you know, I think that they're communicating very well, but like you said, there are so many things and it's almost like every sport, like swimming, we're not, we don't train the same way that football, that, football that everybody does. So they have to literally go through every single sport and say right. how they can practice, how they can train, what's going to happen. Right. Um, I think the emphasis has really been on fall sports here in Ohio for division two. We are a winter sport, both men yeah. and women swimming. I know every state's a little different um, in high school, but for college here, division two in Ohio, we are a winter sport. So now that fall sports have officially become spring, um, that's been declared. Right now, ours is that we cannot compete until November 1st. Um, that's the first time that we can start having dual meets. And at this point, you have to be socially distanced while you practice. There's so many people that you can have per lane, per practice. Right. Um, again, I have a feeling it's all going to change here within the week. I feel like <laughs> updates right so i feel like everything i'm going to tell you now is going to be different next week going to be different from the week after it happens it's all good that's the that's the nature yeah. of business right mm -hmm. <laughs> um talk to me too you know you're I, I did a little bit of research before i read your bio on the website like that you're in your third season there talk to me about i don't know if this is common or not i'm, I'm i'll be right up, i'm not the biggest <laughs> swimming guy in the world by any means but um talk to me because at least in my high school we had a we had a a women's coach and a men's coach, right? You're, you're, you're doing both. And clearly successful. You're coming off your first Mountain East championship, which once again, congratulations there. It seems like everybody I talk to is coming off a championship win. So that's awesome for sure. Um, talk to me about the, the difficulty in, in doing both. Is it the same? I mean, I'm sure the training has got to be a little bit different. The, the, the methodology may be a little bit different. Talk to me about how hard it is to balance both squads you know, and attacking the goals, you know, maybe a little bit differently because maybe one squad's a little head more than the other is. For sure. Um, definitely different, 100%. But I love how different it is because both men and women match up so well. The women are very um, strict, very headline. Like if I give them a set, I don't babysit them. I coach them. Right. I can tweak right. things and, hey, come on, let's get this time. Let's go. Let's go. Like be their motivator. I can actually coach. Yeah. So, I feel like with the men, I'm doing a little bit more babysitting. Um, it's more like, hey, let's focus. Come on, get back in line. Like, your send-off is going right now. Like, come on. And so it's really nice when they practice together because the women keep the men in line, but the men keep the women having fun. Yeah, okay. There you go. Again, a little balance there. Again, we're, when you're in college, you get 20 hours worth of practice time. That's a part-time job. If you right. don't okay. love it, if you're not having fun, then what, what are you doing? Why are you wasting your time? Absolutely. And so my biggest philosophy is having fun, 
And I think that having both men and women together, that's a great way to do that. Keep things fun. Um, it's different ways to train. It's different way, um, you know, it is. Men and women do need to train differently. I, but I think throughout the whole season, they're pretty consistent. It kind of comes down to their taper, which is how you rest them for the conference meet. So okay. I mean, it's that weird sport where we don't, it doesn't matter how many wins and losses we have. Right. To be honest, your team that's going to win conference, they could have the most losses out of everybody in the conference yeah. because you train, you train through those meets. Hopefully it's not that way. Hopefully you've got a little bit of, right. you know, right. positive, a few wins under your belt before you, <laughs> but uh, you've trained through these meets, even your mid season um, meet. It's yeah. You rest a little bit, but you don't do a lot. You train for that pink moment, right? And that is conference. I think we're a little bit more like track than mm -hmm. we are basketball, um, wrestling. You know, it doesn't really matter what our win loss record is, yep. it matters at the end at conference. Mm -hmm. And I didn't say it doesn't matter what our record is because obviously we want to win. Of record. course, you're going out to win, but I, I, get, I get what this but is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. and, and that, that's something that's extremely that's different, right. Than most sports. Right. And I, I think some people I think have a tough time kind of grasping that unless your child, son, daughter, yourself were, were in the sport where you maybe don't understand that. Cause I actually, it took me a second too to when, you know, I saw on Facebook and everything and I saw you guys had won the championship and I looked at your record. I was like, but they're like in fourth place. How did, how did that all work? I, I was, it took me a hot second, honestly, to, and I'm yeah. like, Oh, wait a minute. Now I'm kind of putting the pieces mm -hmm. together. Uh, for sure. But, you know, it's interesting that you said, you, you mentioned to me, though, that the one of the pillars that you're kind of building this program on is, is still being able to have fun and, and not taking this, you know, so seriously where you're, you're miserable the entire time. Talk to me about your philosophy. You know, you're, you've been a head coach now a couple years. Um, you have the first championship, so you got the first ring on, on the mantle kind of thing. Uh, talk to me about what your philosophy is coaching-wise. Um, you know, what, what's the one thing that you think maybe separates you from another coach and maybe in your conference, your division, or what's that makes Stephanie Jerky different than everybody else? Oh man, where do we start? <laughs> Listen to um, resume, go for it. Right? Time. <laughs> um, the big one is definitely what I said though earlier is having fun. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we're the team, we're the coaches that we had glitter jackets, like 80 disco ball jackets, I want to say on at conference, like Fantastic. what can I do to make these kids smile? Right. They're definitely, if they don't, this is what I tell them. If you don't hate me at least one day leaving practice, I probably didn't push you hard enough. <laughs> but 99% of the time you should be having fun. Even when I'm pushing you hard and you hate that practice, mm -hmm. you know, you may be crawling off the pool deck after a really gruel tough workout, but you should at least leave crawling with a smile on your face. Right. Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of what we do. It's, you know, you're at a pool. It's not like you're cross country running or football where you're outside and you can yeah. travel basketball, you know, you at least are different scenery mm -hmm. swimming. You look at a black line at the bottom of the pool or yeah. you look at the beams up above you. That's all you see. <laughs> yeah. Right. You're, you're yeah. in the water and you don't hear much either. Yeah. So you have to find fun ways mm -hmm. um, to keep them training, to keep things different. My other one is, again, keeping things different. I tell them they need to handle the adversity. Be comfortable being uncomfortable. You never know what I'm going to throw at you. Yes. Um, with practices, um, we've, I've actually, I have some really great mentors that I look up to. Um, Peggy Ewald is one of them. And she has given me some great ideas. And one of her ideas was playing bingo with the team during a sprint set. These guys loved that. Yeah. Who thought that you could play bingo while swimming? Yeah, for sure. Um, for sure. Right. 
So it's all kinds of different things and different uh, trainings, keeping them on their toes for sure, but keeping them on their toes while they're smiling. Those are probably my two big things that make me different from other coaches. Yeah. And that's, that's awesome. You know, I, you know, not to relate to that, right. You know, it's funny when you introduce new things, because I do think at times teams become complacent, right? Like you go through your set stuff. Okay. We got warm ups. All right. Now we're going to split off and we're going to do this over here. You're going to do this over here. You, you know, you guys are more long distance. All right. You're over here. We're going to focus down on that today. We've got you guys over here for the shorter stuff, you know, to throw in those wrinkles, those curveballs every once in a while, just to get people paying attention again. And, and to get people back into that mindset, I think is so important for kids and also to, to have the ability to kind of let off the gas a little bit and, and, and get them into a state where, you know, it's not constant, like it's not win, 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 win. It's a, it's how do we make you the best you, right? And how do we, you know, and how do we, you know, get you to your maximum point? Whatever that means for the team is great, but it's about how do we maximize your potential? How do we maximize the person that we have on this team? Yes. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I think too many coaches get wrapped up into this is my type of training. We're going to follow it. Yes. If you don't fit the mold, move along. Yes. Um, it's yes. what's best for the kids. And I think at that D2 level, a lot of people will pass over. They think D1 or bust when they go to college. Mm -hmm. It's the case. There's a different division out there for everybody. There's different levels within those divisions. Absolutely. There's some D3 schools that would kick our butts if we went up against them. <laughs> um, and there's some D1 schools out there that I know we could beat. It's, mm -hmm. you have to find your right niche. You right. have to find what's right for you. Mm -hmm. And, but I truly believe that as coaches, we're here to make you the best that you can be in the pool as a person, no matter what. Mm -hmm. um, hopefully the life skills I'm teaching you in the pool are life skills that you will take with you into your job, into work, into X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Um, if I, if you left here being a better person, you know, hopefully you were a better swimmer after you left, but if you could leave here being a better person, I've done my job. That, and that's, that is so important. And we, and we talk, this is a similar conversation I had with Brian too, where, you know, it's, it's really about the people at the end of the day, right? Wins and losses, they come and go, right? But building the program the right way is, is getting the right people and getting that right mindset about what you're doing there, right? And like I said before, sure. wins and losses will come and go. You're going to win. You're going to lose it. Dealing in sports is such a great medium to learn those life lessons. You know, if what, no matter what age group you're at, even by the time they get to your point, you, you got adults that you're dealing yeah. with, you know, that are entering the prime phase of their life. I would know I'm kind of in it still, you know, it's, I just got out of college a couple of years ago. So I, I feel that pain, but um, to hear coaches say that though, at every level, whether it's high school, whether it's youth, when, at your level, it's, it's so important that that message is reinforced throughout all levels of sports, you know, in amateur sports, and even in the professional level, because that's where stuff gets, you know, to the nitty gritty. I did want to talk about something though. You mentioned, you know, D1 and D3 and everything else like that. Because you're a D2, how, how hard is it for you guys to recruit? Because that's something for me. I went to a small school, you know, I went to Bailey's high school, you know, where you got him from. So how hard is it? Is it, how much different is it for you? Cause you see all the documentaries about the D one schools and they're, they're going to people's houses. They're eating dinner with grandma. They're, they're, they're doing whatever. Um, for you guys, is it, is it similar? Do you guys have a trek plan? Do you guys, you know, scouts out there? How do, does it, what does the D two school like you guys do? What do you guys do? Do you guys got feelers everywhere that I don't even know about? <laughs> um, I can talk about what I do. I think yeah. that everybody kind of does something differently, mm -hmm. to be honest. 
Um, I know that a few other coaches do the same. I did go to a D1, a bigger D1 school. Yeah. Um, so I kind of modeled myself after that. And some okay. people looked at me and they're like, well, D2 doesn't do that. And I was like, well, we do now. Um, <laughs> That's exactly right. You know, we do go out and recruit. Um, I would say now with technology and especially coronavirus yeah. happening, that email, texting, phone calls are definitely our three big ways of communication. Mm -hmm. I think sending letters in the mail has kind of become a thing of the past. Mm -hmm. um, I still like to do a couple a year um, just because I think that's a really special moment when you get mail. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's, you. it's like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Right. To have that letter in your hand is so cool. So if I have their address, um, we do send out one letter a year or two, um, depending. And it's kind of for us, I think anywhere, you know, everybody's going to be different. You have your recruiting program that you use, um, your database, and you just kind of keep in contact that way. We narrow yeah. down, we have certain time standards that we look for. And if you're within those time standards, We'll hit you up with probably an email first. If we get a response from you, then we'll follow up with a phone call and continue mm -hmm. to stay in contact through text. Mm -hmm. No, that's, that's, that's interesting for sure. Um, you know, because you see a lot of these schools kind of come out of the woodwork, you know, like I'd be lying if I, if I told you right off the bat, like I knew where Notre Dame college was like, like that. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. Right. No, most people don't. Right. But yeah. at the same time, you know, I, I do find it interesting how you're still able to put together a championship caliber team, right. And, and able to find these kids kind of through the woodwork and, and what have you. I mean, are you guys like getting tapes all the time? Is there like a place you guys are going to for, for kids? Like, how do you hear about the guys, you know, how'd you hear about Bailey for instance, right? How yeah. do you hear about some of these kids? Um, Bailey, I think we found through one of our recruiting databases. You have oh, to okay. bear with me. I've, uh, it's been a hot minute since yeah. I recruited Bailey. He's been on the <laughs> now the second year. Right. Um, but we do have some databases that um, swimmers will sign up for just like football, basketball, okay. Be recruited NCSA are two of the big ones okay. um, that have all the sports. So anybody who's listening, you can hit up any of those sports um, mm -hmm. to be recruited on there. And then there are a couple swimming ones that are a little bit more specific. Mm -hmm. um, so we'll hit those up and download them into our database. And then otherwise, it's kind of like how I found out about your podcast is word of mouth. Yeah. Hey, I know this person has got a really great swimmer. Oh, that team, you know, kids aren't currently yeah. on the team are like, our high school hated going against them because they always had great sprinters or distance or flyers or whatever right. it may be. So I'll be like, hmm, I need to check out that program. That coach <laughs> knows what they're doing with that type of swimmer. Right. Um, and again, we need every single different aspect of our team, every single different race to make it up. So if this team has great flyers, I'm going to go to them for flyers. If this mm -hmm. team has great distance swimmers like Bailey, mm -hmm. I'm going to go check out that team. Right. Um, so it yeah. definitely just, again, it's all kind of all different. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, for swimming, especially, right. Cause you gotta, you gotta find like, you know, everyone's kind of got their niche, right. And some mm -hmm. way, just like positions in any other sport, right. Whether it's football, basketball or whatever, but at the same time, I think that in some regards, swimming is, you know, I was looking at your roster even, you know, and I could see, you know, all right, we got distance, we got this, we got multiple. So he's the, you know, I got guys that are or women who are just kind of doing a little bit of everything. You kind of throw them out there whenever you need somebody. Um, from a team composition standpoint, though, when you guys are out there recruiting, you know, and obviously winning your conference championship, obviously is going to help quite a bit with that. Um, what are, what's, what are you looking for? Is there some intangibles about the kid that you are looking at that you go, yep, that, that right there, you are what we are about. Like, what do you, what do you look for? Like if I was recruiting or you're trying to recruit somebody, what is the kid that you're looking for? Is it the most talent? Is yeah. it a, is it an academic thing? Is it a little bit of both? 
Um, to be honest, it's none of those. It, okay. it, how are you going to fit in with our Falcon family? This team okay. is a family, and I think that's why we were conference champs this past year is because they finally stepped in and embraced that family atmosphere. It's going to be really hard on them this year not being able to hang out right. and be together as much as they were last year because you're only allowed 10 people together in little groups right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's going to be really hard for them. But honestly, the big thing is watching, especially the men, how they treat their moms. Are they opening the doors for their mom? Are they pulling out chairs? Because if I know they can respect their parents, then they're going to respect coaches. They're going to respect their teammates. Mm-hmm. And so I guess maybe it's respect. Yeah. Watching how they treat everybody mm-hmm. um, for sure. And I think a lot of, I actually got that tip from the men's basketball coach um, that used to be here. He, I was like, what do you do? You've got some really nice guys on your team. What do you do? And he was like, I watch to see who opens the door for his mom. Um, and granted, he was recruiting all men, so I have to adapt that a little bit for the women. Right. Um, maybe dad opens dad. the door for everybody. You know, you definitely have to adapt it a little bit for the women. Yeah. But it's still the same for the women. How are they treating their coaches? How are they treating their parents, their siblings? Mm-hmm. Um, when they come to campus, yeah. you know, just kind of getting that feel. But who's going to fit in with our Falcon family and who's respectful? For sure. For sure. That's. You know, that's something that's, I, I think is a little bit refreshing because I could have coaches on here before and they go, okay, well, I'm going to look at prototype A, right? And go mm-hmm. with that and go with that kid. And then he, but he's, you know, he's kind of an a-hole. And then we got another guy over here who's maybe he's not the number one, but wow, is he a team player? And he's the kind of guy that, you know, will do anything for you. And you go, all right, well, I tend to lean more towards player B just because of that for sure. Um, you know, it, you know, the 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 college game is so different from high school in so many different ways. Uh, I do have a quick question for you though, as far as how you wound up at Notre Dame, right? I read your bio; you're at Ohio for a little bit and everything like yeah. that. What what was so intriguing about the school for you to make to not only take on the men's or the women, but both, right? Where they were like, "Here you go. Here's the entire swimming program. Take it and go and run with it and do your thing." Um, was it just the opportunity to become a head coach? What about Notre Dame College was just like, yep, that's the place I want to be. That's the place where I'm going to grow this program into, into my vision. Yeah. Um, so it actually was kind of an opportunity. Um, I went to Ohio University, was graduating. Um, I My major was pre-exercise physiology. So I plan on going to physical therapy school. Okay. Um, I did not know. I'm the oldest in my family. Nobody really told me that you had to apply in the fall. I was like, oh, once the season is done, I can spend all the time that I spent on practice doing my applications, writing resumes, because like, I heard, like, you need to put all this time into doing it. And I was like, sure. I'm literally going to take my practice time and schedule and devote that right into um, my applications. Yeah. And it'll be no different. That's what I'm going to do. And I had this set. Go into winter. I'm talking with my advisor about um, my winter schedule. And he's like, so where did you get in? What are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I haven't applied. I'm going to apply later. And he's like, so you're taking a gap year? Like, what's going on? And I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm, that's what I'm doing. And he's like, stuff, applications were due in like October, maybe yeah. November. And I was like, oh, so I was kind of in a panic. <laughs> um, luckily, a former teammate of mine, she had already graduated. She was here at Notre Dame as the graduate assistant. Oh, okay. She was like, Steph. I'm graduating. I'm done with my master's. They need a new grad assistant. And I was like, perfect. I can go. Um, even if it's, it's supposed to be a two year, um, that you're there for as the grad internship. And I was like, you know what, even if I'm only there for a year and then I can apply since I know the timeline now, like that was kind of my plan. And I even told the coach, I was like, I might only be here for a year. I might be here for two. I don't really know. Um, got here, 
and I fell back in love with the sport. Unfortunately, when I graduated, I was kind of like, I'm done with swimming. I cannot, I just didn't have a really great experience my last few years. Mm -hmm. Um, I luckily had some really great teammates, so I decided to stick it out on the team, but I just did not have some great experience. Yeah, all of us, for sure. Um, got here, fell back in love with it, loved coaching. And I was like, this is what I was meant to do. I was, don't want to go back to physical therapy school. I want to stay here and I want to coach. Mm -hmm. This is my dream job. Um, the head coach then moved on at the end of the first year, the head coach moved on to bigger and better things. And they asked me to apply and I went for it. I was like, Hey, the worst they can say is no. And I'm still the grad student. Um, and I ended up getting the job. And I pinch myself every day. I'm so lucky that at the age of 27, I have my dream job already. Right. That, that's, that's amazing. You know, and that's something too, you know, that you have to have a passion for it. You have to have a love for it. Right. And I think that comes out to your players or your swimmers, your team, whatever you want to, you know, it's, it's, it's so important to have somebody who's, you know, I mean, I think with your, with the way you kind of got there and everything else like that, to be able to kind of grow yourself and grow your coaching style with the team, I think is, I think is something that you have a unique opportunity for, because I think that sometimes when you hear a lot of these schools, you know, you see that, you know, you see a grumpy old dude or, you know, somebody has been there for 30 years and there's one way or hit the highway kind of thing. And, you know, you see the kind of there's, they're stagnant, right. Where you're, you're at a point where you can still grow, you know, as a coach, right. Cause you've only been doing it a few years, you know, you've got, you know, you got the range and you're like, okay, let's go. Let's form this into my image. Yeah. For sure. That, that is, that is awesome. That's a, that's a really hundred cool percent. I'm so lucky that I have a team that supported me. Um, the seniors were freshmen my first year and they could tell you um, their class dwindled very quickly because how they were recruited, what they were recruited for, isn't what I wanted to do. Right. And it, they can tell you that it's totally different what we did last year versus what we did their first year. Right. Um, I, again, I'm trying to switch everything up. Like you said, I am still figuring out my way. I feel uh, COVID was actually honestly a really great time for me because I could spend all my time watching podcasts, um, interviews, um, CSCAA, college swimming, um, USA swimming, everybody has been interviewing all these big time coaches and to hear what they're doing and okay, how can I scale this? You know, they've got a team of 60. How can I scale this down to my team of 38 and make this applicable to our division two with the equipment that we have and the resources that we have, how can we make this happen? And I, again, I just, I felt like I learned so much, um, super excited I'm kind of bummed about COVID because I feel like I can't do everything that I want to do now right. and try with them right. um, but like I said I'm still learning and growing I graduated this will be five years now that I graduated so it has not been that long yeah. since I was an undergrad student yep. and I think that that actually helps me with my connection with the swimmers because I remember what it's like to be a student athlete Absolutely. I think a lot of times coaches are like like you said my way the highway or you know this is you have to be here training you have to do this this and this and I tell these guys that's not the case you're a student athlete. You are a student before you're an athlete. School comes first. Yes. Um, and I'm willing to work with them. If you yeah. have a big test coming up, like, you know, what can we do? Um, how can I help you? When can we go meet with the professor? Mm-hmm. If it's during practice time, it's during practice time. Mm-hmm. Now, if they're missing all the time, then <laughs> like, the time management skills and other things. But right. Right. You know, if you have to miss every once in a while, I get it. 
yeah. and we have different um, practice times so that way they do have other opportunities to go and get the help they need right absolutely and the, the thing that you you said the, the that resonated with me the most because I, I find I've said that same phrase so many times before is you know that you're able to relate to your team because you were just there right that you know mm-hmm. what they're going through you understand the trials and tribulations and all that kind of stuff like you know, it, from my personal experience, I have kind of the same thing. I coach seventh and eighth graders, you know, in, in, in a multitude of sports. So, so I was able to relate with them when I was a little bit younger, 17, 18, 19, when I was coaching, cause I just went through it, you know? So, you know, being a little bit older now, they're kind of like, all right, whatever, you're old now. But at the time it was, it was really, you know, because you do understand it and you do, you understand the pain, you understand the sacrifice, you understand the time, everything that goes into being a student athlete, you know, at whatever level, it doesn't really matter. It's all the same when it, you know, the time management, all these skills that you have to learn at such a young age, you know, are only going to suit these people for so long. So it's, it's really fun that you said that you kind of grow with them because that's, that's how I kind of felt in, in my early coaching career as well. Um, clearly you're a little bit better than I am because so you're talking from a, from the program seat over there, but <laughs> Um, <laughs> no, I think you have the harder job to be honest, because you have to teach them all the fundamentals and everything. I just right. get to refine it. <laughs> you have to how to be a good person, so to speak. So that way, I'll want them. Yeah, right. Sometimes, though, I'll admit, though, man, when, job, you, when you see some of these kids, you know, they go and they go to their, you know, whatever college they go to, and then they come back or whatever. You see them again, and they're they're a totally different person. The mindset's different. You know, their bodies look different. Every it's just amped up to another level. Did you um did you think about coaching like in high school at all, or were like were you just kind of like, oh, I'm just gonna, you know, it, obviously you got the the gig that you have now, but. Like, did you ever think, even when you were in college or anything like that, did you even think about coaching high school at all? Or were you strictly just like, I'm going to do this as kind of a way to get me to, to graduate school? Yeah. yeah. Um, actually, I did kind of coach through high school. Um, kind of helped out with the summer league. I wasn't one of the official coaches, but being a head lifeguard, you kind of have to be there all the time. So I kind of just <laughs> broke into it, so to speak. Um, it was there, ended up like traveling for one year with some. Um, my dad was actually my coach growing up. Oh, okay. So my mom had coached volleyball and track for a little bit um, while teaching. So I've kind of got like the coaching, like parents um, in my blood, I feel like almost. Absolutely. So I kind of had thought that while well, I was going to be a physical therapist and then afterwards I would coach like high school or summer league or something like that. I never thought I would be here in college though. Right. Never, yeah. that never once crossed my mind. Yeah. Even when I was in college, I was like, there's no way I don't know <laughs> enough. I can't, I can't do that. No way. Right. Yeah. It's, it's crazy though. I mean, and that's all it takes, right. Is, is an opportunity, you kick that door down and, and then you're rolling, you know, from there for sure. Well, Stephanie, this has been awesome. Once again, I really do appreciate you hopping on with me. I have one last question for you and then I'll let you enjoy the rest okay. of your evening. If there's one thing, if there's any recruits out there, if there's anybody, there's one thing I ask everybody this at the end of, of my interviews is there's one thing that we can know about you, your program and your school that you represent you know, what is that one thing? Like if there's like a lasting, like drop the mic, I'm out, I'm gone. You know, one thing people want to get to know about, about you and your program from this interview, what is that? Time is yours, take all time you need, I'm out. Gosh, I feel like I kind of already said this, but it's honestly us being a Falcon family. Yeah. If you're going to remember Notre Dame College, Samantha Diving Team, you're going to remember that we were a family. Um, if you become part of our family, part of our 
gang part of our group, you're in it for life. Mm -hmm. uh, you may be 20 years removed, but you're going to come back and everybody's going to be like, oh, yeah, it's so-and-so. And, -so and right. it's this person, you're a part of our family. Yeah, that's, that's, that's it, right? And that's at the end of the day, that's what matters most, right? Family first, always for sure. Once again, Stephanie, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time. I'll let you have the rest Thank of your evening you. back and hope to have you on the show again soon. Thank you. I loved it. And welcome back to part two of the I'm Always Right Sports podcast. Uh, thank you so much, Stephanie, for that, for your time. Uh, we really appreciate that. The great interview for sure. Go check out uh, Notre Dame College and their athletics. Got a great program building over there for sure. Um, but Mike, Kyle, let's just jump right in here. We got a lot of stuff to go over. Um, let's start off with the, I guess, the most recent news of the day. The Yannick Ngaku. Is that how you pronounce his last name? Yeah, Ngagwe. Ngagwe. Sure, there you go. Uh, the trade, basically, he's going. He is a Minnesota Viking for a second and conditional fifth round. Basically, I think if they go to the Super Bowl, it comes a third round pick. Uh, if he's a Pro Bowler, I think they get a fourth. But let's just assume that it's a fifth for right now. So a second round pick and a fifth round pick for a very productive defensive end. He's been productive basically since the end of the league. Uh, he's been on the trade block for what seems like forever now. Um, Mike, first... Uh, reaction your thoughts my reaction was i was pissed that the lions didn't do it i'm really annoyed um but your thoughts on on minnesota basically swapping out everson griffin for uh yannick Ngakwe. yeah it's uh great for them and uh <laughs> kick us in the gym let's yeah i mean I, it's a great move for them they get yeah. a nice little pass rusher to come off the edge probably on vitae's side so that's gonna be a lot of fun to watch every single every two times oh, this boy. year but um yeah, I mean, outside of that, I mean, I don't cheer for the Vikings, no. so I don't. I'm not sitting here going like for the Vikings. I'm like, good job, Vikings. But as yeah. a fan, right. I'm like, ah, kind of, kind of. I will say up. this though: out of the three NFC North teams between the Packers, Bears, and Vikings, if there is a team that's going to somehow make it out of the pack and it's not going to be the Lions, I'd rather it be Minnesota. I can't stand the Bears and I can't stand the Packers. So like, I think out of those three, it's like. All right, you know, like, I'm not happy about it in any yeah. regard, but if there is going to be a team that's going to, like, go all the way, yeah. as long as it's not the Packers, and, and really as long as it's not the Packers, <laughs> quite frankly, but yeah. also the Bears. And I feel like Minnesota, because their fan base maybe isn't as, as I don't know, ridiculous as the other two yeah. is. Maybe that's why I feel like that, but, like, I don't know. It just for me, it's it it stings, but it doesn't sting as much as, like, if the Packers traded yeah. for them. I also think the Packers are always, or the Vikings are the team that's, like, already the probably the best team in the nfc north yeah so then i go they're just adding more firepower so right. if like the lions get their mm -hmm. ass kicked by them it's like well it's like kind of right. like if the bears got them yeah. and that was the reason why we were getting our ass kicked i'd be like damn we probably could have beat them without him right or whatever right. Yeah. but like the vikings i'm like i don't think i think we'll be lucky to squeeze one out against the vikings this yeah season. we'll be lucky to split so yeah. um i'm like if we do split then it's great but yeah. if we lose both times because like, of him i'm like all right yeah. it was kind of expected for sure absolutely kyle same question to you your reaction with the trade um you know, was the compensation too much? Was it enough? Do you think Vikings could, or the Jacksonville could have got more out of him? Uh, just your overall thoughts on the trade. Well, I mean, I don't know about how much he'll be able to do in Minnesota. I know that Minnesota wants to make make the term a long term deal. I don't. I know yeah. that they're in like a lot of cap situation stuff, but I know they want to make it make it a long term deal yeah. eventually. But on the other side, and he really wanted out like back months ago. He wanted out of Jacksonville. He made it clear he wanted out <laughs> he of Jacksonville. He was arguing with the owner yeah. on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, 
So that could t- that shows you how much he wanted yeah, right? out. So I think I think like you probably could have got more, but as much as he wanted out of there, I right. think there's the leverage like, is gone. Yeah, you just kind of got to do what you got to do. And yeah, I think it was for both sides. I, I'm interested to see. You know, I think I just checked. I think the Minnesota's got like 12 million dollars in cap right now. I think is where they're at. Um, so I mean, technically they could do an extension with him. However, I don't know. With, with the possibility of the salary cap possibly lowering next year, I think that's why you've seen kind of a halt. I think that's why Clowney's still out there, quite mm-hmm. frankly, is because of something like this to where I think teams are afraid to make super long-term commitments right now. I think that's why some of these extensions are being held up. Like, I know Kenny Galladay at some point is going to get an extension. I'm guessing they're probably going to re-sign Taylor Decker, right? Yeah. But I don't know if they're trying to... And, and they obviously can offset and they can do some things where they can you know, backload some of these deals for sure. But I think until they actually have a season and we're, you know, we're, what, 14, 13 days away, something like that, right, from from the first game, right? We're two well, weeks away, right? Well, we're 10 days away from the actual first game. At, at first game, right, right, yeah. So with that being said, right, I don't know if teams are kind of like just kind of waiting yeah. and seeing what's going to go on and, and what happens and see how much that cap really gets lowered, right? Because I think the Lions right now, I think, have, I think, 23 or – 30 million? Something like that in cap right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but as, you know, and, and I've been saying this forever that I thought there, that another move was coming. It hasn't happened yet. But nonetheless, um, you know, this is a big move for Minnesota. I think they're really trying to get into a point where they're locked and loaded and ready to go for this season. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that being said, if you're a Lions fan, you're kind of pissed. I would have liked to see the Lions pull this trigger, right? A second and a fifth. Um, hell, even if it's a second and a third, that means you got to the Super Bowl. I'm guessing you're not really going to be mad about missing those picks. Um, I would have pulled the trigger. Would you have pulled the trigger, Mike, on this deal, knowing the knowing the compensation? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Probably. Kyle, would you have pulled it? Probably. I think. I, I, especially because of the fact that your pass rush is probably still not there, right, as much as we'd like to dress it up. It, it, it's I don't necessarily know if, you know, if, if you've got that. I know they're looking at Jared Davis to be a guy – to just be more of a run stuffer, not really do anything in coverage. You got Jamie Collins, Deshaun Hand is back. You have pieces, right? But I don't know. After Trey Flowers, there's a, a pretty considerable drop off in, in regards to a pure passer yeah. uh, on this team. So, uh, hope the God the secondary works out. <laughs> yeah. That's really what I'm hoping for. But uh, we'll talk more Lions probably next week as we're getting ready. Uh, in preparation for the season. Um, but let's shift focus now a little bit. Let's talk some NBA action here, guys. Um, the the first round is kind of starting to wrap up just a little bit, right? We have got a couple straggler series, but you kind of get a feel of where they're going, yeah. right? Um, with those, So we've got the Jazz and the Nuggets. they still got another game at least to play. Yeah. You've got Houston, Oklahoma City, and you've got uh, Dallas and the Clippers, which we kind of are assuming the Clippers are going to close it out. Yeah. Um, and then... Remind me, the Jazz are up 3-2 on the Nuggets right now, yes. right? So I think, if anything, that's probably the series that's most Likely up in the seven. air, yeah. right? In my in my opinion, am I wrong I on think that? the Nuggets are trending upwards in that series. Yeah, they yeah. are. So I they think... won this last game, and Jamal yeah. Murray's playing good, so it's probably going to go to Game 7, so yeah. expect Tuesday night right. to have uh, Game 7. They have the final yeah, standings, final right? Final I think that uh, Oklahoma City gets closed out as well, yeah. as long as Houston just does just needs to be okay. I don't yeah. you know I mean. They're, they're pretty banged up, so... Um, but the first thing I really want to talk about, and we talk a lot of Lakers on the show, we talk a lot of LeBron on the show, obviously, if you know Kyle or Mike personally, you know why, but also because, uh, he's still the best player in the world. And I do, you know, I, I made it a point because I knew that this, this year was so important for LeBron and this Lakers team, right. To get this championship. I made it a point to watch a lot of these Portland games and 
uh, watching not game five was whatever, right? You kind of knew Damian Lillard was out. It, it's over, right? Yeah. You don't have a shot. Um, but game four, that game to me, and I texted you, Mike, after the or during that game, and I went, if this Laker team plays like this for the rest of the playoffs, nobody is touching this Lakers team, yeah. and it's not even close. I don't care what you say. I don't care that Paul George had twenty five points in a game. I don't care that Kawhi is Kawhi. I don't care about Giannis. This Lakers team, if they play the way they played against Portland in Game 4, nobody's even coming close, and nobody can even get to six games if they played like that. Um, I, I was just legitimately, because I think it's the first time I've seen the Lakers like have contributors outside of LeBron and AD in yeah. some like legitimate capacity, right? Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Danny Green, I mean, even Dwight Howard was producing for them. You know, yeah. It was just like everybody was just firing in all cylinders, it, 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 does this series for you, Mike, because it went only five, it was really a dominant all the way through except for game one. Um, does this, like, not, not say cemented, you've already had the Lakers winning it all from yeah. the get-go, but does this for you just go, name me a team that on their best day can beat the Lakers on their best day? Is this just like, there's no way. It, the Lakers I mean, that's what I've been saying ever since the regular season back in, like, February. Yeah. Is I'm like, listen, and this bubble pre-game one of Portland, everyone's like, yeah, look at this team. They're not very good. I said, just wait. Yeah. Just wait until you see playoff LeBron in action. Yeah. Because everyone forgot two just two years ago, and I guess since he's like 34 or 35 now, mm -hmm. two years ago is quite a long time. Yeah. But two years ago, he took a pretty beat-up, non-really-existent Cavs team and got him to the finals and could have won game one without some very unfortunate things happening at the end of game one, which we don't talk about anymore. Yeah, no <laughs> so we've seen this total dominance in the playoffs from him and i said yeah. i you'll know you'll get it from lebron and i'm pretty sure you'll get it from ad so now i just need points. good lord i know i'm like now i just need one other person yeah. i'm asking for one other person on this roster to give yeah. you something mm -hmm. and outside of i think game one i would say at least two people yeah. if not multiple people yeah. three to four people have given you 10 12 14 right. points if they're gonna keep doing this yeah Find me, like, they're, find me only, they're only the, the worst enemies of themselves, quite yeah. frankly, right? It's getting into early foul trouble, which is what happened in Portland, right? They, they were, you know, the free throw is not being able to hit a jump shot was really yeah. the, the dagger for them in game yeah. one of that series. But Kyle, I want to ask you the same question uh, with just a little bit of a different take here. You've seen what the Clippers have been able to do, and I'm talking Clippers specifically because honestly, in the West, they're the only team that I think has even remotely a chance of beating the Lakers, right? Um, from what you've seen out of the Clippers, does it just does it just kind of cement your view that even with whatever they're doing, no matter they go out and beat uh, Dallas tonight by a nine or they beat Dallas by fifty five million, that I don't they don't have enough to get over this Lakers team, or do you think that there's any possibility that this Clippers team gets it with with what the way they're playing right now? Because I don't think the way they're playing right now they have any shot at being Lakers. Yeah, if you're going to take their performances so far, I would put the Lakers over them pretty easily. You've seen Paul George struggle a lot. He's he's kind of awful. He's kind of real. He's remounted. Awful. Mm -hmm. But it but especially at the beginning, it was a really tough start. And that's kind of what I looked at going into the playoffs. I didn't really look at LeBron. I knew what LeBron could do. Yeah. But I was going to look at what Paul George was going to do and what Anthony Davis could do. Because you know Anthony Davis doesn't have the Ridiculous. playoff experience Ridiculous. as others. Now, but what's Paul George got experience doing? Losing the first round? Exactly. Suck ass. So, but like I'm watching Anthony Davis and this guy's pulling up from 20 feet. Passion. Like, His free throw shooting is, was, was really the difference in game yeah. two and game three where like 
At one, you know, he's going to the line. He's making free throws, which is a thing that I think is extremely crucial because LeBron, I don't know why in this series, he was not good from the free throw line at all. So when he was driving and he was getting fouled, it's like, all right, maybe this is a one out of two scenario. Anthony Davis at one point, I think was like 19 for 20 on one mm-hmm. night. I was like, good Lord. Mm-hmm. So to your point, I think that, you know, with you know, if you want to make the the note and say, all right, well, Kawhi is going to cancel out whatever LeBron does, right? LeBron puts up thirty, Kawhi could probably put up thirty, right? That's a fair assessment. But to your guys' point, though, it's the next guy and then the guy after that. It's AD and Paul George. I'm giving the 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 edge to AD, and then even if the third guy is a Contavious Caldwell Pope, a Danny Green, or whoever. Even if you want to say Patrick Beverly maybe is above that, the difference in my mind with the way Anthony Davis is playing compared to who, where Paul George is at, it's not even close. It's like Paul George should be the number three yeah. compared to where Anthony Davis could be a number one on almost any other basketball team right yeah. now. It is insane. So if you're a Clippers fan, I'm worried because this Dallas team has exposed quite a bit out of you, and it's really made Paul George like, hmm, there's a reason why maybe... Oklahoma City was like, all right, yeah, you know, we'll give you away. You know, because quite frankly, it, it, he's been awful. Yeah. I mean, he, whatever that one game he had where he, I think he had 30, right? He had yeah. 30 or something like that. I, yeah. Out of a five game stretch, you're still been useless to me, quite yeah. frankly. Um, let's talk other teams, though, besides that, though. I want to go to the East for a second here. Um, we're getting the big boy matchup in the East. <laughs> yeah, the big boy matchups, yeah. Um, we're. The big thing I want to talk about, number one, is I want to talk real quick on the on the future of the Philadelphia 76ers real fast. They fired their coach, right? Um, if, you're, if you're the GM of them, before we talk about because this is a team that we've been talking about for years where you go on paper, man, they just keep signing guys, right? You had all Horford now. You've got Tobias Harris. you got Ben Simmons. you got Joel Embiid. you got name a guy, right? It seems like you had everybody at one point, you know, and you're starting five, and yet... They, they're, they're knocked out again, right? And it's not even really a competitive four-game uh, series against the Celtics. In your opinion, Mike, if you're if you're Philadelphia, where do you go? Because it, you suck for so long. Yeah. Trust that process. This process at this point was kind of supposed to be fulfilled, and mm-hmm. it hasn't. If, if you're a Philadelphia decision-maker, where, where do you go? Yeah, me? you're in a tough spot because I think your team is good enough to be a second round team yeah the problem is I, they get hit with the injury bug mm-hmm. every single year yeah. where i'm like i like i don't like have trust anymore that ben simmons will be healthy for right. a playoff right run right especially even a series right and, or in beat at the same time so right. i go i think you're in a tough spot where it's like maybe you give it another year and see if this i think if simmons and Embiid can stay healthy they're easily are good enough to be a second round yeah team maybe fight for a conference championship because those guys are really good but at the same time when you get hit with the injury buggy and then get swept by boston it's like like what do you do do? so you're in a really tough spot there i would probably break it down because um i don't trust like injury bug if you get multiple injuries you're like in a rough spot so i would probably tear it down and they've already come out and said that they're not going to trade or i mean every team says they're not gonna trade anybody until they do but the, at least the report is is that they're they're going to keep both Embiid and Simmons. They're going to hire a new coach and, and kind of go from there. Um, similarly, I want to talk the Nets real fast before we talk about some of these teams that are actually still in it, right? I'm you know they fired their coach as well. The Nets are now going out and you know Durant and Kyrie like we want a proven coach like a Greg Popovich, which I didn't know he was leaving San Antonio, or like a Tyron Lue, which that doesn't make a ton of sense, but okay. Um, do you think that Brooklyn will opt 
ultimately be undone by the fact that they have these two guys calling the shots. Because these two guys on every team they've been on have never been, even in Oklahoma City where Durant was, he was he was growing into a superstar and then yeah. he left, right? Where he didn't really get to make the decisions. Now he's at a point where he and Kyrie are thinking that they can kind of take over in a LeBron type of role where we're just going to make the decisions for the team, right? Do you think that's going to ultimately undo whatever progress the Nets have tried to pull with, with getting Durant and Kyrie on here? Because I honestly think that neither one of those guys is smart enough to be like, you're going to call the shots here. Well, no, but yes at the same time. But I think it's just going to put a lot more unneeded pressure yeah. on Kevin Durant and yeah. Kyrie. Because up to this point, I will argue that Kevin Durant and really Kyrie has never really had pressure on them. No doubt, for sure. Because Kyrie, if you take, for example, has been on the Cavs his whole, for most of his career outside right. the injury years where he was on Boston. When he was in Boston, but, it was terrible. And so when he was in Boston, he was not very good. Yeah. But lo- like, if they lose any of these series with LeBron, it goes, okay, so LeBron lost it. Kyrie, it's, right. well, he was just yeah, the wingman. Yeah, yeah. He needed to, yeah, right. LeBron, Kevin Durant, yeah. outside of where I ding him in the OKC, losing 3-1 to the Warriors series. Absolutely. Absolutely. But then he goes to the Warriors and just wins two out of three, and then he was injured, right. so you can't really blame him there. So you've never really, they've never been highly criticized because they've always been on either a great team or have had a great teammate next to them. Yes. Now it's these two guys on the pillar of, you're making the shots. If you want Tyron Ty Lue as the coach, that's on you. Yeah. So if you don't win, now we're dinging you for that. Right. And now they're at that point where I think people are going to start really going. Well, yeah, you're supposed to deliver a championship. Yeah, right? you're, you're delivering championships. You're in the so East. Now, I mean, honestly. this 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 Nets team will turn in the next year be championship or bust like the Lakers, yes. Clippers, and Bucks are right. at the moment. So with that much talent, you're picking your coach. You're picking some of your teammates that you yep. want here. Yep. So if you don't deliver, mm-hmm. you're getting even bigger ding than anyone else is. Absolutely. So Absolutely. you're putting just a lot of unneeded pressure yes. on you yes. for really no reason. Because what you could do is go, Nets, figure it out. Yeah. I'll just play. Yeah, exactly. And that's all you have to say. And then it's not as much pressure because it's like, if we don't succeed... Okay, the right. Nets well, made it's an decision. organizational failure. It's not a Kevin Durant, yeah. Kyrie Irving. That's where LeBron failed. Fail. When he goes to Miami and he goes, I, I want this guy, I want this guy, I want this right. guy, I want this coach. Well, then when it doesn't work out, yeah. you're getting yeah, games. Yeah, his second run in Cleveland, he gets David Blatt fired, right? He gets Tyron Lue in there. Yeah. Okay, then he oh, we're going to bring J.R. Smith, then we're going to bring those guys, and then all of a sudden it doesn't work, and everybody goes, this is your team. Yeah, this, this is, is your, your team, this is your and team. you're losing. Exactly. So this is going to be the same thing with yep. KD and Kyrie. So yep, for sure. just get ready. If you don't win, it's you're going like, to It's kind of like that super team that wasn't for the Lakers when they tried to sign Steve Nash and Dwight Howard, yeah. right? And then they brought in Mike D'Antoni. You know, Kobe was like, all right, we're going to have this, like, High-powered yeah. offense. Everybody got hurt. Everybody, you know, Steve Nash retired. You know, Dwight Howard was awful. And you're like, and you go, Kobe, this is what you wanted yeah. to do, you know, and you're out in the first round. Yeah. So it's it's going to be interesting for sure. Kyle, I want to talk to you about the Miami Heat because I think this is a team that we were pretty high on when we did our predictions a couple weeks ago. Um, Kyle has them out, going there. They came, yeah, right? They came mm-hmm. out playing. They're, you know, th- this is going to be – it's going to be fun to watch them, right, in a series where you're going, okay – Theoretically, they are the underdog right now at this point. Um, you know, I mean, talk to me about this team mm-hmm. and how they stack up with the rest of the East. I mean, are you still with their, you know, like they can make it? They can they can pull off the upset of the century here? Or wh- where are you at with the Miami Heat? Well, if you look at it on paper, like the Bucks really should be like <laughs> really just beating them everywhere. But, yeah. but. Yes, yeah, sell me on the Heat, I guess is a better okay. way. If you're, if you're a Miami oh, Heat no, okay. fan watching this, okay. sell it to me. Okay. So, first of all. The Bucks are thirty-one and five against everyone in the East except for yeah. the Bucks. They're one and two against the Bucks. The yeah. only team 
with the losing record here. The Heat, the Heat have Jimmy Butler. This man is a my, he play with, plays with your mind, okay? <laughs> if, if you're not watching this on YouTube, you just see Mike just like, wow, your starting, your opening arguments are their record against the Bucks, and then Jimmy Butler is Jimmy Butler. That's, <laughs> I continue, though. I'll let you go. You got, you got Duncan Robinson, uh, a, a budding superstar in the league. Real quick, though, I do want to say this, though, because I watched their, their previous series, and they did make an, a conscious effort to double team Robinson mm-hmm. off of any pick and roll, any screen, like they were like, we are not letting this gangly looking dude like, drop forty five threes on us. Like mm-hmm. I, I mean, we laugh about it, but there was a definitely a conscious effort to be like, no. Yeah. So I continue, but just yeah. something to watch. But I think Eric Spoelstra is a great coach. I think that he I do can, think he is a very good coach. He can he can get get the matchups he wants, put yes. the lineups in he wants. I mean, there's still no guarding Giannis. I don't know what they're going to mm-hmm. do there. But I think they have an, a, a, a very well-rounded team mm-hmm. that can match up to the Bucks pretty well. I still will have the Bucks winning. Yeah. But I think that the, a really good shot at taking it pretty far. All right, Mike. To you, I'm going to link to you here because you have a couple points here. Real yes. quick, though, isn't it funny? If we would have started this show, I guess, back when you guys were like in middle school and I was in high school, but like when, when Spolster was coaching those Heat teams and you're like, Spolster ain't doing nothing. Yeah. And it's just LeBron and Wade yeah. and Bosch saying, sit down. Yeah, you know, we got he, this. But, but it's funny now when you look back and you go, actually, maybe Spolster's a pretty darn good coach. Oh, no, he definitely You know was, what I mean? Yeah, like, he he's definitely out. a good coach. Um, Mike, same question to you. No. You know, I'm not gonna. We're not gonna go out here and talk about the favorites because, quite frankly, I, if you're the Bucks, you should win this series. Yeah, you but should. and if you don't, I'm really excited because I get to rip you all a new one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Mike, you you kind of perked your eyebrows at a couple of Kyle's points. So yes. talk to me, sell me on the Heat winning this series. Okay, well, I think I think you missed a couple pretty big points. Yep. <laughs> Sorry, my, 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 my work phone here. My other job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not this job, the yeah, other right? job. Yeah. Um, I, I think Kyle just missed a few big points. I think Bam Adebayo is going to be the biggest key to win this game because yeah. I think he is one of three people in the NBA that can slow Giannis down outside of Kawhi and probably a split between LeBron and AD. Yes. Double, like, kind of, like, taking turns on Giannis. Yes. Um, okay. Those are the only two other people outside of Bam that can really slow him down. I'd love to see LeBron. The honest matchup, by the way, just like down the post. For oh, like it's phenomenal! Games. Yeah, oh, dude, yeah, it's phenomenal. Good, like LeBron just fully locking in would be awesome. But continue, sorry. Yeah, Bam Adebayo yep. is number one. The biggest key to the win is mm-hmm. if he can slow down Giannis, like he did in the regular what, season. What is what is slowing down in your opinion? Right? Is it is it like is, is Giannis reached a point now where if he gets twenty five and you go, all right, he got his twenty five and that's it, and it's not he goes off for forty because there's an argument to be made with some of these teams, Lakers and Clippers included, where you go. All right, let LeBron. If you're gonna let anybody score, let LeBron score. Let Kawhi score. Let Giannis score. Just don't let anybody else yeah. score. You know what well, I mean? Well, I think I think you can very much slow him down by making Giannis shoot a lot. Yes. Because okay. I think what Bam does is he's not gonna guard Giannis on the perimeter. He mm-hmm. guards him in the inside, mm-hmm. and Giannis's footwork inside is not very good yet. Yeah. He does three moves, and the moves are very and slow. And called five goes the line. We saw in the Pistons series last year. He yeah. took Thirty-five free throws in Game Four. Exactly, and it's because the Pistons don't have that big guy who can yes. just sit there and stop you. Correct. I think Bam Adebayo can just sit there and stop you. On the flip side, I think they're gonna have a lot of trouble guarding Jimmy Butler and Duncan Robinson, to your point, yeah. because I don't think you have a lot of perimeter defenders mm-hmm. on... Mm-hmm. You have maybe, what, Chris Middleton. Okay, yeah, right. I'll put Chris Middleton on Jimmy Butler, and so you have to double Duncan Robinson, so now you put Tyler Hero out there, yeah. or uh, Kendrick Nunn out there. You have a lot of perimeter three-point shooting that it's going to probably light up the scoreboard like they did against Indiana, right. where I thought Indiana would take them to, like, 
six, seven yeah, we yeah. talked about, and, and Indiana had no stopping for any of these players. Can we players. talk a little bit, too, about Miami's defense? Miami's yeah. defense was locked down Miami suffocates Indiana. you on defense. Oh, my gosh. And when, you, when you're someone, because some a difference between Giannis and the Bucks and the Pacers is the Pacers play with, like, Victor, yes. TJ. Yes. They have uh, their Sabonis or whoever in yeah. the inside. Like, they have four guys that they distribute. Really, the Bucks offense is... Giannis, 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 like Kyle Korver, right. a little bit. Right. Giannis, maybe Chris Middleton. Middleton. Here's, and then here's Bledsoe with a random three. Yeah, but it's yes, mostly yeah. Giannis. Yes. So if you can suffocate and really slow down Giannis yes. and play that transition ball where you get the stop transition offense to a yes. three and or a driving with Jimmy Butler, right. I think I think you have a legitimate shot going. You know, six, seven. Mm-hmm. I don't think you're gonna. You're not gonna beat the Bucks in five. No. But if you're yeah, taking yeah. up six, seven, if you get to game seven. I think it's going to be one of the most anticipated game sevens in a really I long time. I think it'll be really fun. I think it'll be really fun. And I think... Because in one game, yeah. and if Giannis... Also, you have to have the lead, because Giannis is not good at playing from behind. No. His well, game style is not well, their, their game, their whole game plan is ball control, yeah. right? Let's get something set up in the paint. Let's get them, you know, posted up right here, right? Get them the rock, and let's go with five, six seconds left on the clock. Rather than a Heat team where, okay, maybe they can push it inside, but then, oh, by the way, as soon as you think we're going to collapse down... Here's a three here. Here's somebody out here. So it's it, it's two very clashing styles. You know, I almost wish like a Houston team was playing the Bucks in this series because that would be like a complete yeah, like one eighty. You know what I mean? Um, this is a, I think this is going to be a great series. Um, real quick, I want to hit on Celtics and uh, Toronto just just real fast here because uh, I think these are the two teams that I don't think a lot of people are talking about. Quite frankly, um, not enough. Kyle, I want I want to ask you first. Who do you got the edge with? I think Toronto came out and really looked good. I think much a couple people surprised. Uh, the Celtics came out and just this face came out. You're wounded. We're just gonna curb stomp you and be done with it. So I don't necessarily know if that was the best litmus test for them. Yeah. Um. But talk to me about this series, Kyle. What do you expect and who do you have winning? Um. Now that you've kind of seen them in playoff action, because I think sometimes the expectations change after you've seen them in a series, right? You know, because I, I think some people would have had 76ers getting this win or, or whoever. So I think it's important to review. Mm-hmm. Well, I think this is going to be a very good series, a very close series. I still have Toronto coming out just because of their depth. Like, yeah. that Fred Van Vliet. Fred Van Vliet, probably Van Vliet. future Piston. I'm yeah. marking it down right now. He's going to be a future <laughs> Piston. I think he play, he plays great, especially when you don't have your full starting lineup. He's a great he's a great role player. and then Good spark plug for sure, yeah. yeah. Pascal Siakam, I think he's a, he's a budding superstar as well. He he plays he play, like he I like how their team plays after losing Kawhi. You know the whole everyone's like oh what do you, you know yeah. you don't Nick Nurse winning coach of the year yeah, yeah. he's a great coach and I, and I think losing Kawhi they rebounded even better than they did were last season they were a better spot than they were last season so I like the the way they're trending but the same way with the Celtics they have the the Jalen Brown Jason Tatum duo. Uh, Jason Tatum is really on up and up. He's been playing great in the playoffs, especially as a young star. Yep. Not as much experience. I yep. like their team a lot. But overall, I have the Toronto Raptors just because of depth. Okay, Mike, same question here real fast. Because um, I think a guy that we're missing out of this a lot is is the Jason Tatum factor, right? And I think it's time for him to kind of take that next step. And I think this would be really important because let's be real. The, the year they played the Cavs, I think that was his rookie year, right? Yeah. Was the year they, they were, I think they were up, right? Were they up 3-2 in they the series? They were up series? 3-2. And, and then they lose at game seven on their home court, nonetheless. And so I think that was like, all right, they kind of got a pass. But now you've been in the league a couple of years. You know, you've got some pieces around you. I think this is the time, really, that if you're Jason Tatum and the Boston Celtics, it's kind of like, let's go. 
Yeah, no, this is the series where if Jason Tatum plays well, they'll make the conference final. If they don't, if he right. do, if he doesn't, right. they won't. Right. And this is going to be the marking point of, are you going to be the superstar that's going to elevate your team? Yeah. Or are you going to be a very good, solid player? Right. But Who has nights foot. of awesome and then just goes back to your 20 points a night. Yeah. Right. And I think you can beat the Raptors, but you need him to be exceptional. Yep. I'd take the Raptors probably in like six or seven mm-hmm. because I don't think Jason Tatum will put up 40 a night to really yep. help him get over the edge where I think the Raptors have a collective unit that will just overtake them at yep. the end of the day, but they could shock me. Right. Boston it's, can win too. You know, it's funny, we talked about the beginning of this the playoffs that you're like, okay, the East is kind of like alright, you know yep. what I mean? But now that you see some of these matchups, and I think because you have a greater chance of maybe an upset or two, you're kind of like, okay, maybe yeah. this all of a sudden stuff gets a lot, you know, more interesting. Yeah, the conference go. finals are gonna be way more interesting in the West. Yeah, everything leading up to that. Right. The East has everything. Correct. That you want. Absolutely, for sure. All right, that's gonna be it for this part of this week's episode. We went a little long here on NBA talk, which is never a problem here on it's this never show. A never a problem. So uh, when we come back from break, we're gonna be talking a lot of wrestling action here. So Kyle's really excited, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, lots of good stuff coming your way, though. Stay tuned. Hey guys, the mouth of Michigan, Robin Dyke here. Just reminding you guys once again, you know, you guys heard our interview at the beginning of the show with Stephanie Jerky from Notre Dame College. We really appreciate her time. But if you know a high school or college coach that it would be willing to talk to us here at the Emily Joy Sports Podcast, please pass along their information. Tell them to hit us up on any of our social media, whether that's IAR Broadcast Media at gmail.com. You can hit up me personally, MendikaRob at gmail.com. Uh, if you or if you or you know a coach or anybody else and have their contact information, you'd like to promote your program, your team, your school, all that good stuff. We would love to talk to each and every one of you all across this great country of ours. So once again, really appreciate Stephanie's time, and uh, we hope to hear from more coaches from around this great country uh, coming soon. Now here is part three of episode 92. And welcome back to part three of episode 92. The road to 100 is underway, boys. Got lots of stuff ready to go. Um... Kyle's going to get thrown off some stuff, I'm sure. Maybe set him on fire. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Oh, you can't tease that. I mean, we won't let us do that. I know, right? You know, all of a sudden. And she won't let us build a ring either, but I know, she's no fun. It is what it is. But all right, let's talk some wrestling action here. we got SummerSlam to go over, Mike. we got uh, Payback is tonight. If you're listening to this on Monday, it was yesterday, so we'll go over that next week. we got All Out to preview. we got a lot of stuff yeah. going on in the world of professional wrestling. Let's talk SummerSlam first. I don't want to go over match by match. Um, just cause you know what are you gonna do? But at, <laughs> at the same time, I do want to I do want to hit on a couple things. First thing I want to hit on, uh, McIntyre getting the win over Orton. They're going a little bit of a different direction. You know, McIntyre's not even gonna be on this payback show, selling the injury thing, which I get. Um, but getting the quick kind of like the backslide victory. Your thoughts on McIntyre getting the clean win over Orton? It was a quick way, so I know they're gonna be like, "Well, it was fast, so yeah. like it doesn't hurt him as much." But your thoughts on that finish before we go to the main event? Yeah, I mean, it was it was a fine finish. Yeah. I mean, um, it's kind of what I expected if McIntyre was gonna win. Yeah, I did think Orton sure. was gonna win at the yeah. end, but yeah. I do like that. Like my worry of having Orton hold the title for such a long time until mm-hmm. like WrestleMania or even longer, mm-hmm. that was a worry. So now they're gonna try to yeah. they're pushing McIntyre a little longer to hold it maybe yeah. like a survivor series he wins it yeah. and i'm like i'm totally okay from november to april yeah. Orton holds it instead sure. of 
August or July yeah. to like all the way to April. Like that's yeah. a long time. So I'm totally cool. I'm actually really excited to talk about this payback show next week because um I'm very interested to see what they do from a booking perspective. Yeah. Uh, speaking of that though, Roman Reigns is back. That's the big news coming out of SummerSlam for okay. sure. You speak into existence. I'm very dude. I'm very excited. I was so happy. I texted you and I think yeah. you were you were locked up with me. You're like thank the Lord. And yeah. it's it's just it's honestly not even for the fact that it's Roman necessarily, which I I do miss watching Roman. I mm-hmm. I think he's a key part of what they do but at the same time it's just nice to have another like legit star and you're going okay and we're starting to build up some depth again right you got aj who was doing stuff you got i mean like you look at smackdown right now the fiend Strowman, reigns aj hardy you got Sami Zayn, you got big e getting a little bit push you got sheamus you got matt riddle you got corbin there's a lot of depth on that smackdown side now so to have reigns there you're like thank the lord i want to talk to you the the return i don't think necessarily was all that shocking, right? I think we all kind of fit a feeling that that was probably what was going to happen. But I want to ask you, the partnership with Heyman, I texted you when I saw it. I was over the moon. I was doing backflips. I'm so excited to see what they're going to do. Um, They get me every time. But at the same time, I'm a little nervous because I don't know how they're going to pull it off. But, I mean, I'm excited. What are your thoughts on this, this, this partnership? Because it has legitimate possibilities to be some of the best stuff they've ever done. Oh, yeah, no, I think it's going to be great because I never think Roman is a great talker. No. And so Heyman being the mic for him and him just doing the work of it. Just a little bit of, just like, just like being able to just go out and just say a little bit. Yeah. And then let Paul do everything else. Yeah. It's, oh. And then him, like, all we need Roman to do is just wrestle well like he does. And then Heyman talks well like he does. And it. Well and well equals amazing mysticity. Yeah, so yeah. it's going to be a lot of fun. It's, um, it just makes it a lot better. Yeah. Because if Heyman was going to be with anyone, it's Roman's a great person to be with. Oh, no, it's perfect. Because <laughs> you, if you're setting him up to have a true good heel run, it's only going to make him so much better as a babyface. I think the way that they're doing this, too, is they're, they, they're doing everything right in this circumstance. Yeah. He's back. But he's and he's and he's back at a top spot, which he deserves to be. But he's back. He's a heel, which everyone's like awesome, right? Like they want to see it. And because of that, and because they aren't having him come back and be superhero, I think every fan. It, it, if you're a fan of Roman Reigns, for you're gonna be a fan now, right? Regardless. Mm-hmm. And then if you weren't a fan because you were tired of him being constantly scenized and just thrown down our throats, now you're going. They're doing the one thing with him that they never did with Cena, mm-hmm. and that's turn him heel when he was at the top of his game. So now they're giving him Heyman, and then now you're letting him just go out and not give a crap and just beat the crap out of people all day long. I love it. I'm thrilled. I love I'm it. Freaking thrilled. <laughs> and he's gonna be here every week. So unlike Lesnar, yeah. you know, I'm I'm extremely excited to talk about this payback show. Just saying, overall grade for SummerSlam before we go to All Out. Um. Uh... Let me grab it from the sky. It's like a... Like a s- I'm going to give it a B. I'm going to give it a B. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to give it a B. I'll give it a C+. Plus. I'll give it a B for two reasons. Number one... I like two matches. What they're what they're doing, right? I thought the action overall was fine. I thought some of the, the finishes fell a little flat. Yeah. I thought Mysterio and... Or Dominic, whatever you want to call him, yeah. and, and Seth was good. I thought yeah. that over-delivered considering what it was. Yeah. I thought McIntyre Orton did a nice job, and I think the main event... It wasn't great, but with Roman coming back and the way they use SummerSlam to set up yeah. what they're going with is the reason why I'm giving it a B. The show as a whole, I agree with you. More like a C from a from just a standard. Yeah. You're looking at it in the vacuum. 
But where they're going, they got me excited to watch tonight, mm-hmm. and that I think is the goal at oh, the yeah, end of yeah, it. Yeah. So that's where I want. That's where I'm giving that. Yeah, I'll um, go with C plus. Real quick for all out prediction: Who's winning that Fatal Four Way for the NXT title? I'm pissed that Cross is hurt. It's already bumming me out. Yeah. But who's winning oh, it? God, we I talked about idea. it off air a little bit. I know we got so much wrestling stuff to talk about. I'm so excited. But at the same time, who's winning that Fatal Four Way before we talk in depth here about all out? Um. But just so, if, if you people didn't watch NXT this week, you got Karrion Cross won the NXT title. He had a vacate. He's had a separated shoulder. So we've got Finn Balor versus Johnny Gargano versus the returning Tommaso Ciampa, who's now a heel again, okay, and Adam Cole. Fatal 4-Way Iron Man match for the vacated NXT title. It's going to be long, but I think, and it's going to build, and I think the end is going to be awesome. Yeah. You just got to sit through that first 25 minutes. <laughs> 25 minutes, like 55 minutes. Well, the first 25 is where you really, and then you kind of, you'll yeah. see it, you know. Uh, I'm going to go probably Finn, but could He's they. He's the only one that's logical in my Could opinion. they go any way with it outside yes. of Adam Cole? Yes. Yeah. I don't even know. I, I think Cole has just as much of a chance to win it, I too, think, because I think they usually go right back to him and then I, go. I think, I think my thing is, I think they give it to Balor because they have no other baby faces, yes. and you can easily just yes. make Finn a baby face with it. Yeah. Like he's, he's already in that weird He's a He's a tweener, yeah. so you can just kind of go, all right, you're a baby yep. face, and you get For all sure. these heels, yep. where, like, Champa is a heel, yep. Gargano is a heel, and yep. Cole's faction is a heel. Yep. Those are f- definitive heels, so if you're going to get a baby face it... I guess yeah. I, I I think it's true. I think I don't see the reason to give it back to Cole unless only... you do like Gargano and Champa and then like Finn again? beats him later for it. Oh, I don't know. I, I don't I don't need to see Gargano Champa again. I really don't. I don't. Not Gargano oh, Champa. Oh, okay. I mean Gargano or, or Champa oh, okay, win it. I thought you said then, like, give it to one of them and then they're gonna. And then like a face like Finn or something yeah. like challenge. I think later I think it, Finn's but... the only guy that it makes some sense with because if you give it back to Cole, I feel like you're kind of just doing revisionist history almost. Where it's like, what is he really getting out of it? Um, Gargano hasn't won a match in six months, so I don't understand how that would work at all. Yeah. And then Champa just got back. I don't think that it's time for that moment yet, yeah. if they're going to go that route. I just think it's a little too soon. And plus, you just turned him heel. Yeah. So it's like, I don't I don't understand that that part of it either. Um, I would have honestly rather seen him come back as a... If, I think if he came back as a face, I think he'd have a better yeah. chance of it getting him here. So there's that too. Kyle, who's going to win the Fatal 4-Way? Um, Tom Brady. There you go. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> he wins everything, doesn't he? He wins everything. Did you watch the Pat McAfee match? Did you see any highlights from that with Adam Cole? No, mm-hmm. you should watch that. I think you I think you get a kick out of it. Just Probably would. Mac, mm-hmm. Mac Pat McAfee's Mac awesome. Yeah, it was, it was fantastic. Do you right. like Pat McAfee? I do like him. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he, he was in a, yeah, he was in a... All right, ready, Kyle? Match. We're doing some AEW All Out predictions there here. There we go. Okay, all right. yeah, so All Out, right? their big show right, uh, yeah. of their calendar year... Um, and honestly, I think you're going to see a lot of stuff kind of come to fruition on this I, show. I um, it's going to be extremely interesting. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm pretty pumped for it, quite frankly. We've had a lot of good wrestling the last couple weeks here. We're not even talking about New Japan. They had a big show. We're not talking about them this week. Yeah. Um, but, Mike, let's go down the run through the run, the, the show card here of what we have, at least right now. Yeah, so we have seven matches as of the second, but okay. they could add, I guess, more if need be. Um, so the first one is to be determined, but so they're going to have on Dynamite third Wednesday, yeah, Thursday, yeah, whatever, whatever day. Yeah. They've been messing with the days. Yeah. Um, so Private Party and SoCal Uncensored is going to verse Jurassic Express and the Young Bucks. Whoever, the tag team that wins the eight-man, those two teams are going to verse each other. Oh. 
So like that's confusing. Yeah. So like so the winning team. So, so like so say like two teams go at so it. So Jurassic Express and the Young Bucks and the Private Party of SoCal are in an eight man tag. Right. Whoever wins that match, right. those two teams They're that are on a team, team together, yeah. they they have a match at all out. It's like a fight to get to all out to have a match. It seems like yeah. Um. So I'm just gonna throw in the dark that Jurassic Express and the Young Bucks are yeah. gonna win because I think the Young Bucks need to be on the card somewhere to have a. Okay, honestly, match. Honestly, it doesn't matter. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, so yeah, so I'm sure. just going to throw that out there. So, yeah. Kyle, would you take the Jurassic Express or the Young Bucks? I'll take the Young Bucks because of their physicality. <laughs> that, was that was the most okay. tough he's ever been. <laughs> I love it. That was great. Okay. Um, honestly, I'd take that. The Young Bucks just seem to want to put everybody over. So, I'm just going to say Jurassic Express because they haven't won a meaningful match since AEW started. Right. So I would take the Young Bucks, but. Yeah, that's gonna be a match. Okay, anyway. FGR is gonna have the tag titles forever. Okay, so the rest of these are actually like actual matches. matches. Yeah, that's okay. funny though. They're just their physicality. <laughs> so so we have the Dark Order: Brody Lee, Colt Cabana, Evil Uno, and Stu Grayson are gonna verse Matt Cardona, Scorpio Sky, and the Natural Nightmares: Dustin Rhodes and QT Marshall with Ali. I hate this match. So Kyle, much. we're always gonna start with Kyle because I don't want Kyle to be influenced by what we say. So Kyle, mm-hmm. who do you think is gonna win? I'll take the Dark Order because of their size. <laughs> That's so good. This is great. This is fantastic. I'm also going to take the Dark Order because they're an actual faction. Yeah. Well, you know how I feel about that. Um, yeah, Dark Order, but I don't like the fact that there's not a TNT title match on this show. I agree. That, with that really too. irritates me. I think Brody, I think they easily could have said something, even if it was Brody versus Matt Cardona, yeah, even, right? right? Or or even Dustin, whatever. Let Brody Lee get a freaking dominant victory on yeah. pay per view. This match. Does nothing yeah. for anybody, and I think the Dark Order wins. Is Cole Cabana like supremely in the Dark Order now? He's like, like pretty much. Is he in sure. it? Like yeah. they never like made an announcement about that. But I'm loving what Brody Lee is doing right now, though. They they pulled a quick 180 with him, and I'm very happy. Kyle uh, agrees. Yeah, mm-hmm. Kyle agrees, hundred percent. So <laughs> we got we got side. Thunder Rosa taking on Hikaru Shida for the AEW Women's. World Championship. Kyle. Now, also, uh, Rosa is the NWA Women's Champion yeah. right now. So they do have a little bit of a partnership going on. She showed up with the title. So that is an important note here for future storylines down the road. Yeah. So just a quick note there. Kyle, who do you have? The champion is Hikaru Shida, if that just, makes any difference just, to you. Just Who's the other one? Thunder Rosa. Oh, I'm definitely taking Thunder Rosa because she's an underdog. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, I think Shida wins just because I don't think they... Yeah, I also think she is going to win, but I don't hate the logic, I guess. I am loving Kyle's wrestling analysis, by the way. I know. This is some good stuff. That's this what is we have Jericho to have. Times 12. We, 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 we need more of it. Okay. This is great stuff. So now we have yep. Chris Jericho versus Orange Cassidy, Orange Cassidy in a Mimosa Mayhem match. So let's, Are they going to be drunk when they fight? This would be Kyle's favorite wrestler, so by the way. So, match can be won by pinfall, submission, or throwing your opponent into a tank of Mimosa. So they won't be drunk. They won't be. I mean, when you dive into the mimosa, maybe they'll get drunk. Oh, okay. So, do you have Chris Jericho or Orange Cassidy winning? I'm taking Orange Cassidy because he's orange and mimosas are orange. I mean, as best as I mean, Jericho's gonna put him over. That's the yeah. If he's he's getting thrown into the tank, it's yeah, it's, it's gonna, gonna be a whole thing. So it's I'm taking, been done. I'm taking Orange Cassidy, but I'm gonna yeah. I agree with I that like logic. The, I like 100%. the logic. I like the logic. All right, so we have a 21 man casino battle royal. Winner receives a future AEW World Championship match. So the people announced already, you got Darby Allen, Lance Archer, Brian Cage, Rookie Starks, Pentagon and Ray Phoenix, Butcher and the Blade, Eddie Kingston, and the rest. I don't like I don't like this this match at all. 
um, for a couple reasons. Number one, it just seems like you, you, you didn't know what to do with everybody else. You're just trying to get everybody on the card. Yeah. So I don't like that necessarily. I'm sure it's going to be somebody like Archer or Cage. I don't think Darby Allen should get another world title shot for at least a year. Yeah. Um, maybe they have a surprise somewhere in here. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know, but I'm just going to say Lance Archer to get a win. Yeah. I don't know. Kyle? Lance Archer because he's a win. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Kyle said, Kyle said there are too many people named. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so I, I can't I would like to say it would be like Ray Phoenix or Pentagon, but they're a tag team. I know, maybe I Pac like, comes back here and gets a win. Maybe Pac. something like that. I was I, I was thinking how interesting it would be if like Cody snuck in here and won. Maybe and then that's fought perfect. MJF later. Maybe that's fine. That's how you can like get, get him back get into, it? into it. Maybe I don't know. Um, so I don't have, oh God, I'll just take Pentagon. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, cause I, I don't like the battle Royals like that being like a focal point of a show. Yeah. I don't like that he gets a world title shot, by the way. That also a bit irritates me. Yeah. If you're going to do that, save that for like another show. Yeah. Cause then you can build to that. Yeah. I just, yeah, it's whatever. All right. So we got Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page yep. taking on FTR Cash Wheeler and Dax Harwood with Tolly Blanchard for the AEW World Tag Team Championships. Kenny Omega and Anna Page are the champions going in. Kyle, who do you have and why? FTR or Omega and Page? Omega and Page. Because yeah. I like how they play later on in the round. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. It's like about like four different uh, FTR wins, and this is where we get the new faction. Because um, Page is going to turn here. Also, though, I will, I will say this, though. It, it, like AEW is doing this weird thing where it's like everyone's on a faction now. It's kind of like New Japan esque in a way. Yeah. It's weird. I don't know. I, it's I like, like it. I I like it, but at the same time, it's like before when like when they had the inner circle, it was like the inner circle was like, oh, this is like the big. Now it's like yeah, inner circle, dark order. You got this new group. You got the elite. You got yeah. the death triangle thing. You got the best friend group. You got yeah. nightmare family. It's like everyone's part of something. So, I, I, FTR wins it, though. I think FTR wins. I mean, I've been saying that they should lose it yeah. for forever, so I think FTR yes. now is yeah. the spot to lose it. For sure. So, FTR wins, but Kyle, I like that they're going to go multiple rounds, yeah. and they're going to win it multiple rounds. Yeah. I do like that. The lowest under par wins. Yeah. And then we have the AEW World Championship match. John Moxley versus MGF with Wardlow for the title, like I said. Moxley is banned from using his parad- paradigm shift. Paradigm shift. Paradigm shift. Paradigm. Paradigm. That's, that's how it's spelled out here. Awesome. <laughs> Kyle, who do you have? John Moxley is the champion. Versus MGF. John Moxley because he just brings the intensity. Honestly, if that you is, said that, like you could definitely like. Yeah, that's that an, argument. Like an argument. Um, MGF gets the win, and he better get it clean. MGF wins. I don't care how, just win it. Yeah, I, This is the one match where, since like SummerSlam, yeah, every pay per view that we've watched so far, this is like the one I want to happen the most. Yeah. I want MGF just to win it. Yeah, MGF needs to win it here. He's been doing some great work. Um, and Moxley's better chasing than he ever is with the title. Yeah. So, all right, for sure. That's, all right, that's, that's all. That's out. the card. Uh, that's going to be it for this week's show, guys. Next week, obviously, we're going to be talking, pay, we're going to do WWE's payback. We're going to talk maybe some more NBA playoffs. We're going to preview the Lions season as we're right on the cusp of the NFL season being back. Uh, lots of good stuff coming your guys' way, as always. But he's the whale man. Mm-hmm. He is the Merc Zone. And I'm the Mouth of Michigan. And we will see you guys, as always, next time.